you, your radio, if if you're listening to us on a radio, pro- probably has an on-off switch, uh, probably a dial. It's a one-way device. You can't comment on something if you like it or dislike it. You can't say downvote uh, Prairie Home Companion. But it almost wasn't that way. Matt Novak is here with us now. He runs the Paleo Future blog. So Matt recently came across some information about a device called Radio Vota from the 1930s. It was invented by a man named Neville Monroe Hopkins. So, Matt, what can you tell us? Uh, well, it just seemed so um, strange to me that this guy was so ahead of his time in the sense that, you know, we like to think that this like button, uh, the the whole concept is, is rather new. But, you know, this, this Dr. Hopkins had this idea that uh, you'd be able to push a button and... and more or less have an instantaneous reaction or uh, interaction with someone who's delivering a broadcast media. I mean, it was incredibly primitive. Um, the idea, as best I can understand it, is that you would press one of these buttons, yes, no, and present, uh, when prompted by a broadcaster on, on a given radio program. Uh, and if you hit yes, it would actually delay uh, the electrical impulse from that button push um, for as much as eight hours, I think. So basically, so I understand the technology right, this is a box uh, that you would attach to your radio, and it's controlling uh, electricity down a, down a line, and at the other end of the line, someone can tell whether you've hit, uh, what is it, yet, yes, no, and present? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, and it would actually uh, deliver... Um, these yes, no, and presence at different hour or at different periods through non-peak hours of power consumption, so that you could tell uh, apparently that that a button was being pushed. So, so radio though was kind of everything. So, what what was the range of things people could, in in theory, comment on? You know, I think that uh, people were talking about the possibility of of. I'm not liking jazz. Uh, I think that was that <laughs> popped up in in one of the uh, one of the articles. Obviously, uh, uh, jazz being still relatively new by the mid 1930s, um, uh, there was I think a lot of snark in the newspapers about yeah you'd be able to press a no button to that jazz music. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but yeah, politics was obviously a much more direct and obvious. Uh, application for this this box that uh, Dr. Monroe had uh, had developed. So this would be a great way uh, to kind of weigh in on a fireside chat, say. Oh, for sure, yeah. Just p- p- present. <laughs> right, right. That's your sort of uh, uh, none of the above vote, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, also there's like, it is kind of an example of a lot of things that annoy people today. Like it's, it's kind of a version of... Uh, Wolf Blitzer on CNN reading tweets from <laughs> viewers about you know the Malaysia plane, and it's kind of right, a version right. of the like button. As somebody who sort of looks back through history, do you find it comforting that we've kind of always been as annoying as we are today? <laughs> if there's anything I've learned uh, through studying past visions of the future, it is that there really is nothing new. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is fascinating to me how we sort of evolve and have these ideas and there's almost always something that, that relates to it that someone was trying to do a hundred years earlier that was just far too ahead of its time. But yeah, I do find it oddly comforting to know that everything has always been the worst. Uh, It's not just today. (laughs) 
Well, Matt, thank, thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Well, let's, let's try this out. Let's try and make our own radio vota. We, we should get Seth, uh, hook him up with a, a fake radio vota, and, and just let him comment uh, on the rest of the show. Seth, you cool with that? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, ready to go. Upworthy posts on Facebook, they all kind of have the same structure. You won't believe this one thing. Present. Th- this kid has an amazing solution that will blow your mind. And what they're trying to do is get you to watch this video that ultimately has a disappointing resolution. And, and I think it's, uh, it's fair to say uh, the Upworthy posts are universally accepted as annoying. So how do you fight back against the people that post these? Rob, you have a trick, right? I do you see a link that says uh, you won't believe how this ex-military commando opens a bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could go and watch a video on what he does and to find out that he uses a coat hanger. Uh, my solution is to post the answer in the comments of uh, whoever posts that on Facebook. So you just write a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, I mean, the word spoiler kind of... Uh, implies that there's a big secret that you've been waiting all season to find out yeah. the answer to, and it would be kind of messed up, socially irresponsible of you to post what the spoiler is. But in this case, it's just a video of a military, ex-military commando opening a bottle of wine with a coat hanger. It's okay to spoil that kind of thing. So, Rob, have you tried this? I have. What's been the reaction? Uh, mostly positive, some uh, laughing, and I've had it happen... Out of the probably 15 times I've done it, I've had two of them of my comments deleted. <laughs> where the per- person, I'll admit this is a this is a uncovered territory. We haven't, <laughs> as a society, we haven't really decided how to how to treat these. Well, I I think this is a great idea because those I feel like those are just those videos just are they're just trying to manipulate me. But the only problem with this this uh, plan is that somebody has to watch the video to spoil it. That's true. You do have to kind of martyr yourself on the video and then come back and leave a comment. Yeah. It's a coat hanger or the kid uses gum, you know, right. something yeah. like that. <laughs> the community <laughs> rallied around her and they got through it together. <laughs> right. <laughs> Has there been anything that one of these links told you you would not believe that you have not believed? Uh, no. No, I've come away believing them all. Yeah. Really? You're just like, eh, yeah. that's credulous. <laughs> that's mildly surprising. Uh. But still fully believable. <laughs> well, uh, I, I would like to thank you for, uh, for the service that you're doing for everyone in, in your Facebook feed and, and now in, in all of ours. Well, you're welcome. Thanks, Rob. It's a coat hanger. Yes. Um, I like that people were deleting his comments. I think that's pretty funny um, because that means that what he was doing was definitely uh, affecting their lives um, in a strong way. Hey, Julia, what can we help you with? Um, so our principal made a new rule at school that we can't have backpacks, so we all have to use chapter keepers or carry around a stack of books. And I'm having trouble finding a good position to carry my chapter keeper. So that I look cool. Uh, so you have so you have this trapper keeper. What's that look like? It's lime green, and it has a lot of signatures like "so and so is here" and "I love Julia." It, it, and it, it, did it come that way? 
No, okay. I mean, people wrote on it. Right. <laughs> and you know, I in uh, in my day, a trapper keeper, you could get you could get one with anything on it, like uh, Alf or Michael Jackson were two popular ones. It, is it still that way with uh, trapper keepers? I don't think so. Mm. I think they just sell the colors pretty much. Mm. Well, okay, so. Th- in my experience, a trapper keeper is something you just kind of sling under your arm. It's pretty easy to carry. But is that is that what you're doing and it just doesn't doesn't look cool? No, it doesn't look cool. Yeah. And sometimes I carry it, like, in front of me, like, with your arms crossed around it. But mm-hmm. that, that makes you look kind of weak. Weak body language, I think. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Well, maybe, have you seen anyone who can pull it off? Is there anyone in school who is manages to, to not look like a dork? No, I haven't seen anyone. Wow. Mm. Is there, uh, in your class, in your school, and a kind of icon of cool? And if so, could you kind of describe what, what they, you know, how they carry themselves? Well, actually, I'm sitting in my band teacher's room, and pretty much the coolest guy in our grade just walked in. Oh, His really? His name is Zach. Zach. And wow. he's just like kind of, he's super cool. He always wears hoodies. Okay. Can he hear and you talking about him right now? No, he just left. Okay. He has a trombone lesson. <laughs> well, he's the, he's, he's the coolest guy and he plays the trombone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what does he, what's he do when he has to carry his books and stuff? The thing is, like, I don't notice. Because you you only notice when they look dorky what they're doing with their books. Okay, wait. So is he still is he close enough by where you could run out and look at him and see what he's doing? One second. He's probably playing the trombone, but I'll check. Okay. Okay. So he's watching, uh, like a band performance on the computer, and he's kind of like standing there with his hand in his pocket, and he's like. A little slouched, but backward, not forward. And he's like looking at it, like, "Yeah, that's cool." And I totally get it. And I could be that cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm picturing it. It does. the The lean back definitely looks cool. Yeah. It, would it be possible for you to go up to him and hand him a trapper keeper and see what he does with it? I don't know. I don't see one around here. Any books? Uh, Any notebooks? I don't know. I don't want to interrupt his lesson. Yeah, I know what you mean, but the way I see it, he's going to have plenty of time to play the trombone, and and you want to make sure you look cool. Okay, I'll see what I can do. All right, we're going to hold here. Okay. I'm nervous right now. I'm wondering, do you think we're going to get her in detention? They're not going to. Risk-reward here is high on the reward side. And honestly, getting suspended a couple days probably is going to increase your your image, your coolness. We're only helping. It's just a matter of how much. Hello? Hello. Okay. So, him and the teacher both think I'm crazy now, but what he did was he just, like, put it under his arm and kind of walked. So I think that's probably the way to do it. Did it, lo- did it look cool? It did look cool. Really? We carried it in a way where you, like, don't notice he's carrying it. Uh, was he still leaning back? Yeah, mm. a little bit. All right. Well, I mean, do you want to try that? I guess. Okay. This feels pretty good. Just <laughs> lean back. I think that's. I think that's an important component. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I think I found a good position. Great. Thanks, Julia. Have a good day. 
All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. I definitely give Julia um, a yes because I really like how she described the coolest kid in school, Zach, um, which is really great. And I also like that she got her question answered right on the spot. Um, I didn't like the peer pressure. That definitely made me a little bit uncomfortable. But I love that Julia pulled through. She followed through and ended up getting a good answer to her question. You know what nobody likes? Upworthy. Getting stung by a bee. And what's the worst possible place to get stung? We are we are about to talk about this, and we should say we're going to talk about you know specific parts of the body. So if if that bothers you, maybe do something else for a few minutes. Michael Smith studies bees at Cornell University, and he tried to find the answer to that question. So Michael, you actually used yourself as a subject. Can you tell us how you did this research? So let's see. There were twenty-five body locations. And I stung each body location three times. I can tell you which was the worst area of the 25 that I stung, though. Okay. Please do. So that would be the nostril. (gasps) Inside? Inside. Oh. So if you were to look at, if you were to touch your own nose, uh, you know, not on the outside of your nose, but if you were to, like, the skin in between your two nostrils, as if you were a bull and you'd be pierced (laughs) there, put a honeybee instead. And you did that three times to yourself. Ah, uh, yes. So uh, th- maybe this is a personal question, but did did a bee sting your sensitive man region? Uh, yes, it did. Uh, actually, two locations within the sensitive man regions. <laughs> really? Yes. The scrotum and the penis shaft. Ah. Wow. No. And... I mean, you're you're clearly a scientist who care, cared very much about getting everything right, but this had to have been a hard hard day realizing that uh, you were gonna this was what was gonna happen. You know, I think it's just uh, as strange as it sounds. It's just like okay, you know, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, wow. I have to ask you, Michael. So you're stinging yourself every day, multiple times. What was your reaction when you're doing that? When you're standing there and a bee stings you, if it, a bee stings me, I'd, I'd probably shriek or something. What were your reactions? Uh, I mean, I guess, again, that would depend on the location. Uh, you know, for some of them, it was just, okay, that was painful. Uh, was it more painful or less painful than the sting I just received on my forearm? Mm-hmm. However, in the case of the nostril, that's that's a whole body experience. Yeah. Uh, when you get a sting to the nostril, it's it's pretty violent. Your your nose just starts flowing mucus out. Your tears in your eyes they're just welling up. Uh, you're uh, sneezing. You're coughing. It's really it's it's a whole body experience. Um, and remember, at that point, I've just received the sting. I have to leave the stinger in there for a full minute. Yeah. What? Uh, so at that point, your body just wants to get the stinger out. And I mean, if you think of you know the way honeybees, uh, you know, we know that they zero into locations that have high contrasts. For example, if you're wearing, if you're doing beekeeping, and you're wearing a watch with a black band, they will target the the line between your skin and the dark band. Uh, we also know that they uh, react very strongly to CO2. So they they really are their evolution has done a great job for them to really target the most sensitive spots on your body. You know, I, I see all the time I see ads for studies that are done done by at, at universities where they need volunteers or they even offer compensation for people to, to be a subject in a study. This seems like one where you could have uh, got somebody else to to take the stings. Why why'd you want to do it? Uh, I'm the best person to really rate my own pain. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, you know, it really had to be me. Uh, in addition... 
if I'm looking for a subject that their immune system isn't going to change over the course of the 38 days that I was stung, I need someone who works with bees as well. So I'm not just looking for any old student. I'm looking for a student who's also a beekeeper, who's received stings over the last couple of months, and who's willing to do this, and then I would have to pay them. So, Michael, uh, if you're out in, in nature and a bee comes up to you and you're trying to, you know, it's clearly agitated, what part of your body then are you going to offer to it to keep it from stinging you inside your nose? In the pain rating that I have, the skull, the middle toe tip, and the upper arm, all three received the same pain rating, which was a 2.3. So the toe tip, in that case, it's like... You want to direct them, if they're going to sting you, get them to the toe. Yes. Uh, although, actually, you know, personal preference, I would probably go for the skull or upper arm. Oh. Uh, just because I think then you'd have to take off your shoes, and that would be ridiculous. Well, thank you. This has been so uh, disturbing and fascinating. I hope so. When you hear about candidates preparing for a debate, during a campaign. You hear about them doing crazy things to get it just right. Dick Cheney famously rehearsed in a room that was the same temperature as the stage on which he was going to be debating. But there's some things you can't prepare for. Stephen Grossman is running for governor of Massachusetts. And during a recent debate, he experienced one of the most painful things a person can endure. Is that pretty fair to say, Mr. Grossman? Well, have either one of you ever had a kidney stone? No, it's not actually at all. one of my biggest fears. People describe it in various ways. It's it can be painful. Uh, this one I got it in the middle of the night and eventually passed it that night at nine fifteen nine thirty. So it fortunately didn't last even twenty four hours. But if you I don't know if you've ever seen a kidney stone. This may be in the too much information category. No, tell us, tell us but about it. But it's a it looks like a very small a very a tiny piece of volcanic rock. It's that color. Wow. And it's, it's sharp. It's jagged. And so as it passes down the tube, which is a pretty small passageway, and that little sharp edges, you know, scrape the side or dig into the mm. side, that's what causes the pain. And this all started in the middle of the night. At 3.55 in the morning, I woke up, and I knew the telltale signs of a kidney stone attack. I've had them for more than 25 years. So... I went through the day, and, and nobody really knew much about it other than a reporter named uh, David Bernstein, who writes for the Boston Magazine, walked up to me after the debate, and he said, listen, you did great, but are you okay? So I told him the story, and he tweeted out about the kidney stone, and look, it was one of those moments when the jokes started to fly fast and furiously. The, somebody suggested that we print up T-shirts for the state convention coming up on June 14th, where all my delegates would have a T-shirt that says, Steve rocks. Um, I mean, no more stones. That would be my T-shirt. I give the kidney stone segment a no. I could actually sort of like feel what he was talking about, and it was kind of horrible, and I hated it. We heard from Amanda. She says she listens to How to Do Everything when restocking the paperwork that gets used in the morgue. Amanda, these next 15 seconds are for you. I think that I would be pretty freaked out to be always be that near paperwork. It's all it's alphabetized, a lot of forms. 
you really learn a lot about this kind of the inevitability of life of, of paperwork You know, talking to Julia, I wonder if in every high school, the coolest kid is named Zach. I think that's that's probably true. I mean, think about it. Saved by the Bell, coolest guy was Zach. Slater might disagree with you. I think there are those that think Slater was cooler, but I, I see your point. I, I do think if you're, if you're a parent uh, and your dream for your child is that they grow up and, and be cool, uh, na- name them Zach, boy or girl, na- name them Zach. High School Musical, Zach Efron. Didn't see that. How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Seth Kelly. I bet this part gets a big yes. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. Sent at 2.49 p.m. Hey, guys, it's Julia calling back about my Trapper Keeper situation. So I held it under my arm, and... I felt pretty confident and pretty cool, but a little masculine. But overall, I think it was good, and I think I'm going to keep going with it. So I was kind of hoping you would call in somebody famous, but you two did a pretty good job helping me. So thanks a lot. Have a good day. We can't can't let Julia down. You know what? Let's call up Slater. Let's call up A.C. Slater. He's a famous person. Mario Lopez played Slater on Saved by the Bell. So, Mario, any advice for Julia? First of all, Julia, I think what I would suggest is using your locker and going one period at a time to get your books because you can be cool with one book. You can't be cool with more than one book. So just make a little trip to your locker, and uh, you get a little exercise in while you're there, and uh, um, you'll, you'll look much cooler. So you're saying it can't be done? can't really be done unless... You're a gentleman, and you're carrying books for your girl or another girl you're trying to court, then that's cool. Other than that, you can't carry all your books at the same time. Julia, good luck. This is NPR.